Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hello, dear pals. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. I'm Liv, lover of mythology and destroyer of all things you thought you understood about the aforementioned mythology. So, you know, I'm sorry, but also you're welcome. As I mentioned last full-length episode, we're taking a pause from the outcome of the Trojan War to go back to the roots of this podcast. Just the crazy happenings of gods and those they interact with. And what better way to head back to that part of the mythological world than with one of the few famous ancient Greek heroes that we haven't yet covered? There's still more to say about old Heracles, but before we go back to that family-killing weirdo, there's a lesser-known dude we simply must talk about. This hero owns a horse that everyone seems to know and love, while his rider has gone wildly, tragically underappreciated. What would Disney's Hercules be without Pegasus? Nothing. And yet, was it Heracles who actually rode Pegasus? No. 
What would Clash of the Titans be without Pegasus or that absurd herd of Pegasi? Nothing. And yet, did Perseus ride Pegasus? No. Is it even possible that Perseus could have rode Pegasus? Obviously not, because Pegasus wasn't born until after Perseus killed Medusa. The nerve of these people, honestly. So, who actually rode Pegasus anyway? Is it a name we know from popular culture in the way we know Hercules and Perseus and Achilles? No, not unless you count Mission Impossible 2, where it is the name of an antidote to a poison that is aptly named after the monster, this still-not-named hero will go to slay. Get to the fucking point, Liv. This is making less and less sense. This is episode 43, Bellerophon, the underserved hero who actually rode Pegasus. In the city of Corinth, there's a king called Glaucus. To those who've read and loved Circe, he's not that Glaucus. This Glaucus is the son of Sisyphus, the king famous for being such an awful guy that he is punished forever in the underworld. And guys, let me just tell you that this connection to recent episodes is 100% accidental. Like I wrote in a draft of this episode about Bellerophon way back. So far back that I had done maybe three episodes of this podcast when I wrote it. And I chose to finally do it now because I wanted to go back to the origins and how better than to revise a script I wrote over a year ago. That decision just happened to coincide with a mini-myth I wrote about a month ago so that I had it in my pocket to post when I needed one. And those two episodes just happened to fit perfectly. It's almost like I'm becoming good at this. And I haven't even told you who Bellerophon's father is. It's all connected. Anyway, back to the story. Glaucus is the king of Corinth and happens to take after his father quite a bit. He too makes the gods super duper angry. You see, Glaucus is known for his horsemanship. I'm not sure if that's a word, but I think that, regardless, it makes the point well. So Glaucus wants to make his horses particularly fierce in battle, and in order to do this, he feeds them human flesh. Apparently, that'll do it. But as we've learned time and time again, don't eat people. Don't even let your horses eat people. Eating humans is a big no-no in Greek mythology, and Glaucus should know better. He doesn't, though, and so the gods cause him to be thrown from his chariot while being pulled by these ferocious people-eating horses. Once he's thrown off the chariot, his own horses tear him to pieces and eat him right up. They've developed a taste for it. Still in Corinth, there's a man who's considered to be Glaucus's son, Bellerophon. However, there are many indications that this isn't the whole story when it comes to his parentage. You see, one, he's not awful, and two, Poseidon basically claims Bellerophon as his son, and most importantly, Bellerophon shows all the signs of being a demigod and not the son of an awful human who fed people to horses. Bellerophon's mother is named Eurynome. And though she's mortal, she is taught by Athena. It's said that she was taught for so long by Athena that she has the intelligence of the gods themselves. Eurynome was pursued by Poseidon, and so she and he claim that Bellerophon is his son and not Glaucus's. Of course, the children of the gods are usually raised by the husbands of their mothers, and while he's the son of Poseidon, Bellerophon is raised as the son of Glaucus. And so he's raised as the grandson of Sisyphus. 
not the most noble adopted lineage. But with a mother like Eurynome and a father like Poseidon, Bellerophon is a man to be reckoned with. He is the type of dude who gets what he wants, even if he gets into a bit of trouble along the way. Meanwhile, there's a certain flying horse that's gaining some acclaim in the region. You see, our boy Pegasus is getting pretty famous about this time. His birth, of course, was a thing in itself. Who isn't impressed by a flying horse who comes into this world by flying out of the stump of a recently decapitated gorgon? And that's not all that makes Pegasus special. What did he do after being birthed in this impressive and not at all gross and weird way? Well, on Mount Helicon, the mountain of the Nine Muses, a spring called Hippocrene sprang up from the place where Pegasus stomped his foot. The word Hippocrene means horse fountain, so everyone who came upon it understood just how special it was. And obviously everyone likes a good spring, but poets especially loved this spring. Due to its location amongst the home of the muses, Hippocrene becomes the spring most beloved by poets. With this, Pegasus makes quite the name for himself and is lauded in the region for bringing water in this very Poseidon-esque way. And that is not a coincidence. You see, while Pegasus and his brother, that no one cares about Chrysior, sprung up from the stump of Medusa's decapitated neck, they are in fact children of Poseidon. When Poseidon raped Medusa in Athena's temple, he impregnated her with the flying horse and the boy. However, they were unable to be born until Medusa was killed. So, Bellerophon and Pegasus are actually half-brothers, something that could only happen in Greek mythology. Day after day, Bellerophon thinks longingly about coming upon Pegasus and becoming his rider. But the horse has been, to this point, elusive, a solo soul. So Bellerophon seeks the advice of his local seer, who tells him to go to Athena's temple and have a snooze. He might hear some guidance from the gods in his dreams. He does exactly this, and lo and behold, Athena comes to him. She speaks to Bellerophon, and he could swear that he's wide awake. It all feels so real. What feels particularly real is the bridal made of gold that she hands to him and tells him to use to tame Pegasus. When Bellerophon wakes up in Athena's temple, in his hand is the golden bridle, and he's giddy with happiness and excitement. Now he'll have the flying horse he's always wanted. All he has to do is find Pegasus, so that he can slip the golden bridle on. Almost immediately, Bellerophon spots Pegasus drinking water, not from his namesake spring, Hippocrene, but from Pyrene, the spring in Corinth. Awfully lucky that Pegasus hangs around Corinth and happens to be easily spotted and approached. Awfully big coincidence. But in any event, Bellerophon spots Pegasus there, and the horse looks at him. Oddly, he's not frightened or surprised, or really even bothered. He looks at Bellerophon kind of like, meh, I guess it was bound to happen at some point. Humans can't leave well enough alone, can they? Pegasus can't talk, mind you, but I like to imagine this is what he's thinking. And they're off. Bellerophon slips the bridle over Pegasus, and suddenly it's as if they're one person. 
Pegasus is loving it. He's being tested and pushed and proving he really is the best flying horse out there. They fly through the sky, over Greece and the Aegean. They see it all. And this bond will come in handy, because things don't always come easy to Bellerophon. Now this next part really should have more details, but alas, it doesn't. Essentially, well, at some point, Bellerophon kills his brother and another man. Actually, he wasn't even known as Bellerophon before this, though his original name isn't known. The name Bellerophon comes from this act. He kills his brother and another man whose name is Bellerus, which gives him the nickname Bellerophontes, from which Bellerophon comes. What a fun feeling to know the name you go by and the one that will be passed down through centuries isn't really yours, but is in fact a nickname you got for killing your brother and another guy. Must feel good. Of course, in true Greek mythological fashion, this killing of his brother leads Bellerophon to flee Corinth and land in Argos where he seeks purification from the king there, Proetus. And honestly, that's the last we hear when it comes to this brother killing. Maybe it was an accident, maybe Bellerophon is a secret sociopath. No one will ever know. The crux of the story is, simply, he ends up in Argos, where the king is named Proetus. Bellerophon stays in the kingdom for a while, where he, unsurprisingly, encounters Proetus' wife, Antea, also known as the word soup, Sthenabea. Anticlea takes an immediate liking to Bellerophon, perhaps too much liking. She makes a move on him. I can imagine he's very attractive. And who knows what her husband looks like. So she goes for it. But he, like Perseus, is also not Theseus. Due to this inherent morality that comes with not being Theseus, Bellerophon turns her down. I like to imagine he tells her, Look, lady, your husband's been pretty chill to me as of late, and I'm sorry if you don't like him all that much, but I just can't hit that. See, in my world, Bellerophon talks as if it were the early 90s. Antea is deeply offended by this, and she tells her husband that, actually, Bellerophon made a pass at her. King Proetus is not psyched, but he's also in a pickle. See, he's bound by Xenia, the very important guest host relationship of ancient Greece. As I've mentioned so many times now, Xenia is sacred and means that you basically have to be a good host, and you have to be a good guest. Unlike so many who should know the importance of Xenia but seem willing to overlook it, Proetus instead looks for a way around it. Proetus decides to send Bellerophon to deliver a letter to Proetus' father-in-law, King Iobates of Lycia. Proetus seals the letter so that Bellerophon can't read it en route, and he sends him off on old Peggy. Bellerophon and Pegasus arrive in Lycia, and they're treated magnificently by King Iobates. For over a week, Bellerophon is the king's guest, and they have a brilliant old time. Then, after all that time has passed, Iobates finally asks to see the letter that Proetus sent with Bellerophon. Turns out the letter said, basically, Iobates, do me a favor and kill this dude. The trick is, the same thing that bound Proetus from injuring Bellerophon is exactly the reason that Iobates can't hurt him. The webs we weave, am I right? Iobates is also bound by Xenia, because here Bellerophon is being a good guest, and so Iobates must be a good host in return. But 
He thinks there must be some other way of completing what Proetus asked of him without breaking the bond of Zania. Finally, he's got it. Iobates asked Bellerophon to do him a favor. Bellerophon is a helpful dude, and he's probably thinking Iobates wants a message back to Proetus or something. But boy, is he wrong. Iobates looks him straight in the eye and asks, Hey man, would you, like, rid my kingdom of the Chimera? Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Bellerophon just stares back, blinking slowly. Maybe he raises an eyebrow slightly, real incredulous. Did Iobates seriously just ask him to kill the Chimera? Just like that? Iobates is honest, at least, about what he's asking of Bellerophon, because he goes on to regale him with details of what exactly the Chimera is. Well, he says, it's like this. You remember those monsters Typhon and Echidna, the real famous ones? See, they had a bunch of kids. They had the Hydra, you know her, I'm sure, with all the heads. And they had Cerberus, the dog with, come to think of it, also all the heads. Well, see, they had another kid, the Chimera, and, you guessed it, a lot of heads. Iobates tells Bellerophon that the Chimera is a creature that, from afar, and even straight on, 
you might think is just a massive lion. But then you turn to the side and bam, big angry goat head sticking off its back. And bam, the tail, or sometimes described as just the back end of this thing entirely, it's a snake. Oh, and it breathes fire. Nowadays, because of this magnificent mythological history, chimera means essentially a mashup of things, or something so fantastical, it's unbelievable. It's also a totally bananas shark breed, just the creepiest thing in the ocean. Google it. You'd think Iobates would want to play down just how terrifying the chimera is, not to scare Bellerophon off. But Bellerophon must have given off quite the vibe of strength and bravery, or just ego, who's to say with these heroes. Either way, Iobates goes hard on this very truthful description of the very terrifying thing, and Bellerophon is still totally keen to prove himself. The reason, Iobates tells Bellerophon, this chimera is so in need of a good slaying, is that his enemy, the old king of Caria, the bastard, is taken to keeping the chimera as a pet. Can you even imagine? Bellerophon starts planning right away. Thinking this will be his time to shine, to prove he's a real and true hero, he wants to prove that he belongs up there with the greats. What do Perseus, Heracles, Jason have on old Bellerophon? Nothing. That's what. Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. Now, it's well known that it's near impossible to approach the Chimera from land. Between its lair, its many heads, and its ability to, well, breathe fire, coming at it from ground level is just a death wish. Bellerophon's heard of another man who tried to kill it, approaching the monster riding a standard non-flying horse, and the poor horse was totally incinerated by the fire breath. Not at all pleasant for the man, nor the poor, poor horse. Bellerophon is no dummy. He knows it would be entirely stupid to try what everyone else has already tried and failed miserably at. He knows he needs a trick, something that will set him apart. Thankfully, he happens to have a certain flying horse at his discretion. What would he do without Pegasus, you ask? Die in an inferno and never be remembered for anything, that's what. But he isn't quite ready yet. Thankfully, Bellerophon is, again, not a total idiot, and he thinks, hey, I should probably have a weapon of some kind to, you know, actually harm the thing so I don't just fly around it in circles dodging fire. So there he is, racking his brain on what's the best way to kill this thing. He thinks, a regular old spear won't do. It's kind of a one-off, and this thing is crazy and strong and so many heads. No, that won't do. And neither will a sword. That would require getting far, far too close to the thing with three heads that breathes fire. Finally, it comes to him. Arrows are, obviously, the best way to harm something that you don't want to get anywhere near. So Bellerophon equips himself with a bow and a full quiver of arrows. But he also has the foresight or the gods suggest to him, it's unclear, to also carry with him a spear with a hunk of lead attached to the tip. This will come in handy for one very specific reason, which will become clear shortly. With his weapons at the ready, Bellerophon mounts Pegasus, who is himself very excited to go on this adventure, and off they fly. It isn't long before Bellerophon and Pegasus spot the Chimera. It's a pretty destructive creature, not to mention sizable, so its path of destruction is visible easily from the sky. 
And not far from there, they find its lair, the chimera itself visible just before its entrance. Having found the creature, Bellerophon and Pegasus circle it a couple of times, deciding how best to approach it to avoid its spitting fire. Soaring just out of reach of its flames, Pegasus does the steering while Bellerophon readies his arrows. Twang! Is that the sound of an arrow? One arrow flies from Bellerophon's bow and hits the chimera in its snake tail and or bottom half. With an echoing screech, the snake goes limp. But the monster is still going. It has another two heads. Twang! Another arrow shoots out and hits the chimera in the goat head. There's a goat-specific cry and the middle head goes still. The lion is still left. And the lion is angry. It's roaring and fire is shooting from its jaws, though it doesn't manage to reach Bellerophon and Pegasus as they soar above. Twang! The final arrow flies and hits the lion, but this time it isn't so easy. The lion is injured, but it doesn't die. Bellerophon expected this, though, and he pulls his spear from his side, checks to make sure the lead is still fastened to the tip, and Pegasus swoops in low, just low enough, so Bellerophon can stab the spear directly into the lion's open mouth. With another roar, it tries to breathe its fire in order to expel the spear, but all that does is melt the lead, which trickles down into the chimera's stomach, and... Well, the chimera basically dies of a really bad tummy ache. What a way to go. Feeling crazy psyched for his cunning and skill in killing the chimera, Bellerophon and Pegasus fly back to King Iobates. Iobates, though, as you might have guessed, is less than psyched with the Bellerophon's accomplishments given his express intention was to have Bellerophon killed. Under the pretext that Iobates doesn't believe Bellerophon's story to be true, he instead decides to send him on another series of crazy quests. Bellerophon is sent off to fight the Solimians and their allies, the magnificent Amazons. But Bellerophon isn't exactly skilled in battle or war, and let's be honest, the only thing that really sets him apart is his possession of a flying horse. So Bellerophon, whilst riding Pegasus, defeats the Solimians and the Amazons by simply dropping boulders on them from on high. Certainly the most brave and, air quotes, manly way of winning a battle. But there you have it. They're defeated. So Bellerophon heads back to Iobates, once again proud of his accomplishments and looking to hear that his quests are at an end. But nope. Iobates is still trying to get this dude killed, so next he must defeat a group of Carrion pirates. You'll remember Caria from the king, who had apparently made the Chimera his pet. I guess they've also got pirates there, so it sounds like an awesome place. Once again, Bellerophon defeats them from the sky, and once again, Iobates is not at all grateful and looks once more to have Bellerophon killed. This time, he's done fucking around. Iobates simply sends his own palace guards to kill Bellerophon. He's not even trying to hide his intentions anymore, nor really trying to avoid punishment by the gods or the furies for disrespecting the bond of Xenia. Bellerophon has no way of using Pegasus in this case, as it's all taking place inside the palace, and how is he supposed to avoid the conflict by flying high in the sky when there is no sky to fly in? 
So, being again not at all skilled when not riding Pegasus, Bellerophon instead calls on his daddy, Poseidon, who floods the whole region. In a panic, and in a very, very weird way of trying to end this destructive flooding, the women of the region run toward Bellerophon with their skirts held high, literally offering themselves to him. Bellerophon, though, is more afraid of this bizarre behavior than he is turned on, and in response, he simply turns around and runs away from the women. Thankfully, the floods recede with him, so the women's weird attempt to save their homes works after all. And bonus, they didn't get raped, nor have to have sex with the man just to save their own lives, which obviously would be a form of rape in itself. At this point, Iobates admits defeat. He figures, with a guy as great as this, something must have been wrong with the news he received from his son-in-law in the first place. So he whips out the letter he's been carrying all this time, and lo and behold, he simply asks Bellerophon to explain himself. What a concept. Bellerophon, in turn, explains to Iobates that, well, Antea developed a crush on him, and he turned her down, but that story got warped, and here we are. Iobates immediately believes this story, and is so, so apologetic to Bellerophon for, you know, trying to kill him a zillion times. And so he rewards the hero handsomely. Iobates offers his other daughter, Philonoe, to be wife to Bellerophon. Ah, yes, women as property. Such a comfortable concept, and not at all seriously fucked up to offer a human to another person as essentially a gift. Iobates also makes Bellerophon the heir to the throne of Lycia, serious atonement being made here. Entirely separately from praising Bellerophon, Iobates also gives major credit to the women of the region for their incredible idea of, you know, racing towards Bellerophon pussies out in order to stop the flood. He tells them how wonderfully resourceful that was, and he actually uses this example as a reason to make the area somewhat matriarchal. It's a bit unclear in the phrasing I'm reading from, but I think I understand that after this point, people are considered to be descended from their mothers rather than their fathers. So fucking score for feminism there. Way to go, Iobates. Slightly makes up for the fact that you gave your daughter away without remotely asking her what she thought. Only a tiny itty bit, though. Many years later, after Bellerophon has been living his comfortable life in Lycia with his property wife, Philonoe, Bellerophon develops an even bigger ego than the one he found himself with after he defeated all the obstacles assigned by Iobates. He's found such success and considers himself such an incredible hero that his hubris reaches out-of-control levels. One day, you see... Bellerophon sets out on his trusty steed, Pegasus, to take a different sort of journey. Bellerophon directs Pegasus to fly up to Mount Olympus. Want to bet how this will go? Bellerophon and Pegasus fly up towards the top of the mountain where the Olympian gods make their home. Zeus, of course, spots this blasphemy immediately. Choosing to make this flight makes clear that Bellerophon considers himself equal to the Olympian gods, something one should never, never indicate, even in the slightest. Zeus, in response, sends a gadfly toward Bellerophon and Pegasus. The fly bites Pegasus under the tail, 
they say, which I do believe means it bit him in the butt. Pegasus, shocked at this intrusion, whinnies and rears himself up whilst flying, throwing Bellerophon from his back. Bellerophon falls and falls back to earth, but he doesn't get the privilege of dying when he hits the ground. No, he lands in a prickle bush. That's right, he lands in the midst of thorny branches. What an embarrassment. He finds himself permanently injured and blinded, and from that time on, he wanders by himself, not wishing to speak to anyone, while still feeling the loneliness that comes from such a solitary existence. He lives this way until he dies, and maybe, just maybe, this is why he's not one of the most memorable Greek heroes. Pegasus, meanwhile, completes the journey and arrives on Mount Olympus like the true hero he is. And that, my friends, is the true story of Pegasus and the actual man who was his rider, Bellerophon. Now you can be even more fun at parties. I know I am. That's sarcasm. I'm obnoxious, but in a fun way. Well, friends, that's the story of Pegasus and Bellerophon. Honestly, I just deeply, deeply love the name Bellerophon and have been waiting so patiently for the episode where I would get to say it countless times. Thank you all for listening. And thank you again to you Spotify listeners for your patience during the madness of last week. I'm so psyched to have everything back up and running, and with any luck, we won't see any future issues of this sort. Please, if you haven't already, go back and listen to the episode about Poseidon that released just as the issues with Spotify arose. Unfortunately, there was some very bad timing here, which is causing that episode to get far fewer downloads than it would if that hadn't happened. Of course, that wouldn't normally be a big deal, But as those of you who have heard it will know, that episode contains an ad for Care Of, a monthly subscription vitamin service that is really great and convenient and I honestly enjoyed using. The thing about ads is they help me keep this podcast going, and they help me keep it as regular as it's been recently. I'm still working to build up having regular ads, and so every one I get is really important. What's most important is the number of downloads the episodes get. So please do me a favor and make sure you've downloaded that Poseidon episode. It will help me so much and helping me helps you as fans of this podcast. Thank you. You're the best. This coming week, we'll have a surprise bonus. So look out for that. And next week, we'll cover the mini myth of the god of medicine, Asclepius. We'll then be taking a break for Christmas as that's a Tuesday and when I would normally release an episode. But it's Christmas, which I personally celebrate, but it's also my mom's birthday. So apologies to those of you who don't celebrate Christmas. I'm sorry you won't have a new episode to listen to. But the following Tuesday, New Year's, we'll have a very special episode to make up for it. Thank you all. You're the best. Happy holidays. I'm Liv, and I love this shit. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 
24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com.